song for performance or want it to go over but I think the song's got not gone over because nobody's doing this song 
We've sat back, we've allowed ourselves to be defeated by the world, and we've allowed the world to tell us what we're going to do and how that we're going to live our lives and how we're going to live. Yesterday, Bonnie and I buried a 91-year-old saint, her aunt, whose Bible was torn apart and the pages were falling out, Sister Shirley, because of the hours that she spent in prayer for lost loved ones and friends and families and for victory and fought all the way to the end. No matter what the world done, she says, I'm never giving in. I'm never giving up. Her grandson preached her funeral and he's never spoke a word in his life. And he got down on his knees and exemplified how his grandmother prayed. That stuck in his heart forever. This song says, taking it back. Are you letting the world just slam you? Are you letting the world just tell you how you're going to live? You're letting that school tell you what you're going to do? You're going to let that job tell you what you're going to do? Well, have you heard about the God I know? He's got your situation in control. And have you heard? And if we have, let's take some stuff back like this song says. I think it's got a good message in it. Maybe it needs to resonate in our hearts. I'm done talking. Chorus is twice. Well, I'm taking it back. I'm taking back. Everything the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. Taking back my song, my joy, my dance, my peace. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. Taking back my song, my joy, my dance, my peace. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. Now one day, old King David went to a city called Ziklag. And while he was gone, the enemy came, stole everything he had. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, I'm making up my mind. I'm on my way down to his camp and I'm taking back what's mine. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. I'm taking it back. Everything the devil stole from me. Taking back my song. away my joy but I'm serving notice on the devil today his kingdom it's under attack I'm on my way down to his camp and I'm taking everything back I'm taking it back I'm taking it back everything, everything the devil stole from me
thing, you don't have to go take it back. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the living well? Jesus is calling.
So y'all, I gotta say something. Um, so you get saved and you know, everyone's gotten saved at a different time, but um, you make mistakes even after you get saved. It just happens. But our God is so good and he's so merciful and he's so gracious to us and we don't deserve it. <laughs> but he loves us so much and he wants to forgive us. So I think about this song and I don't think about just who we were back in the day when we were sinners before we ever came to Christ, but even after that point, because there's still things that we need to daily, we need to repent every day of the things that we are not doing for Christ or if we have fallen into sin again. So this is, you come to the altar not just to get saved one time, one and done. You come to the altar whenever you need to meet with Jesus because this is the place where you meet with God. This is the place where you get to closely commune with him. So if there's something in your life that you're just, you feel like you've been sinning and you know, like this is where you need to light, leave it off. Put it at the foot of the cross. This is, this cross needs to always stay in a church. It's just my opinion, but put it at the foot of the cross and just come to the altar with anything, whether that's you've messed up. If you're a Christian and you messed up, it happens to everybody. So don't feel ashamed. Don't feel like, oh, I can't make any more mistakes because now I'm a Christian. We make mistakes every day. So this is the place where we can lay it all down. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious how old you still make mistakes and that's true that's coming from a 20 year old but from a 60 year old yes you still make mistakes and you still have to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness and ask for guidance and if you can't sing oh what a savior isn't he wonderful come to the altar this morning as I was thinking about and praying about uh, what song to sing this morning, I kept thinking about this song and I was thinking, you know, I've sung that song a lot, I bet people are tired of hearing it. But um, God impressed upon me that somebody needs to hear this song today. And I don't think it ever gets old to tell you that you're not alone no matter what you're facing, so. When I walk through deep waters I know that you will be with me when I'm standing in the fire I will not be 
up, I have a song that you guys are going to do this morning. These boys are going to help you. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. children learn what they live when you dedicate them to the Lord you need to let the Lord shine in you he's my shadow he walks 
Everywhere I go, he does everything I do. He says, Dad, I want to be just like you. So if I fail to shine the light of God's love within me, I wonder what kind of shadow will he be. He's my shadow. He walks everywhere I go. He does everything I do. He says, Dad, I want to be just like you. And if I fail to shine the light of God's love within me, I wonder what kind of shadow will he be. I thank you today. I know it's getting late, so I'm going to get started real quick, and I'm not going to spend long. I say that every week. But sometimes it comes out right, sometimes it don't. But I'm planning on keeping you a short time. Uh, I spent all week thinking about what God had put on my heart about something that I think means something to us. Every one of you that's here today that knows Christ as your Savior, you have to understand something that I cannot choose for you what God's trying to do in your life. And you can't choose for me. My mother and father took me to church. You know what? Past that, they... they prayed for us they uh, corrected us when we were wrong I got corrected a lot but the truth is all of those things that mom and dad was trying to make me to be an obedient child or be respectful and reverence God and all of that you know what that was a beautiful thing but can I tell you that didn't save me and it doesn't save you salvation comes when the Holy Spirit of God reaches down and says I call your name Come and bring your life to me and surrender it. And can I tell you something? After that, so many people think all I need to do is sit down in church and that's all. But that's not what God's trying to do. God's trying to do a work in every single life. He has a purpose for you. And he has a call upon your life. And today I want you to listen to something called the call. And there is no, uh, to me, the, somebody that don't stand, somebody that stands out no greater than Abraham. But why? Because he's the beginning of the Jewish people. And I want you to understand some. His father named Terah was involved in the uh, ungodly worship of false gods. And there come a time, and this is when he was in Mesopotamia, that he, the Ur of Chaldees, over in the Babylonian area, he took. He took and called Abraham out. And I want, I'm going to read that to you. But I'm not going to read a whole lot of it. But I want you to hear it because I want you to hear what God's plan was. And I want you to hear the response of a man. Because our response is what's been the problem. It's not God's call. See, God calls us to do things. God's called, when he called me to do something, guess what? It wasn't God's fault. It was my fault that I wasn't doing the things I should. 
It was, God, it was God called me in spite of myself. And I, you got to understand that because he's trying to call you in spite of yourself. And I'm not telling you that we're all to be the pastor. Not everybody's to sing. Not everybody's to play an instrument. Not everybody's to teach. Not everybody's to do all these things. But you and your heavenly father has a relationship now, and he wants you to know who he is. And you know what? He wants you to dig, and he wants you to find out more and more about Jesus because he's our way maker. I want you to turn, if you can, to the Genesis, the 12th chapter. I want to read a couple of verses in there. It says, Now the Lord said, chapter uh, 12 of Genesis, verse 1, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Uh, that's the first verse. How many knows? God called him out. You ever been called out? You ever been called out and said, I want you to do something? This is what God is doing. He's calling Abraham. Now, some of us act like sometimes we don't know if we hear God or not. But sometimes God's impressed on you and put these things on your heart. And it's not God's failure to do it the blooming of you, it's you. I have to submit to that. But listen. He starts telling him, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. You've heard the covenant and the, and the promises that he puts upon him, telling him, make his name great and thou shalt be a great blessing. And that the families that bless you will uh, bless you, uh, bless you will ble be blessed, and those that curse you will be cursed. It says, and these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Look at verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed of Haran. Now, why was he in Haran and not in Mesopotamia? Because his father, he had heard from God in Mesopotamia. But during that time, his father picked him up and went to Haran, which is another city uh, way, up, way up in the other direction, way up northwest of him. And, and they stayed there, and his father died there. So now he picks up, and he says, I'm going after what God had told me to go after. Now, see, God doesn't always give you what you want instantly. Even though you might have it in your heart, Lord, I know God's calling me to do this. I know God's working on me in certain areas. But while he's working on you, he wants you to be dedicated to saying, I want to learn of you. I want to develop the, the truth of God inside of my heart. I want to know who he is. I don't want to walk off and do it my way because it won't never work. I got to hear from God. Abraham heard from God. Number one, the call on anybody's life, you need to hear from God. How many hears what I'm saying? You can pick up and take off, and there's many ministries going on today that never heard a word from God. They only pick it up, they study it, and they pour it out, and they have no heart's desire. They, they see the money in it. They see all the things that they can have. And you know what? That's a stink in God's nostril. And it ought to be a stink in every Christian's nostril. 
all the way into Acts, the seventh chapter, Stephen was standing up and he was talking and he began to tell after the gospel, after Christ, he begins to tell the Jewish people about their history. Stephen stands up, begin to witness to them. And here's what he says. In verse 2 he said, Men and brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Quran, which is just another name for Haran. It's another, uh, like difference in Greek. And it's a different name. But he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, and come into a land which I will show you. Then came he out of the land of Chaldees, that's the Ur of Chaldees, and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into the land wherein you now dwell. Now he's, he's explaining history all the way up in the time of the apostles when Jesus Christ has paid the price and died and went back to the Father and he's left the gospel to be spread by the apostles Stephen is one of those that was chosen to help and here Stephen stands up and begins to witness to the Jewish leaders the Jewish people what had gone on through the Old Testament to bring them to Christ he really is getting ready to bring them to Christ He's beginning to preach them Jesus. But he starts all the way back at Abraham. And I read this because it says, And he gave him, listen to this, And he gave him none inheritance in all, in it. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Abraham. Listen to me. Did you know God called Abraham and told him, I'm going to give you a land? But did you know Abraham never got to take that land? He lived his whole life looking for that land. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I don't know about you, but to commit your whole life to something you've never saw. Well, we have. If you're a Christian, I'm looking for heaven. I've looked for it all my life. I keep waiting. I've heard it preached when I was a little kid. I'm still looking, Carl. All my life, all my days, I hear about it. Connie got so excited about what heaven looks like. Can I tell you, Connie, that's home. How many years it? That's home. You want to know where home is? Don't worry about your home here. You're leaving it. There's home is right there. It's where God is. He's prepared a place for you. Don't you understand why God said God would have a man who would know and serve him with a devoted faith. And through that man, he'd have a people who would know, teach, and keep his ways. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, he needed a person to start with. And who did he see? Who did he see his heart? He saw Abraham's heart. And three different times throughout Scripture, he's called a friend of God. He's called a friend of God. He believed God. You know what the greatest thing about Abraham was? It wasn't that he was perfect. He's just a man like me and you. But you know what? God called him, and he never gave up the call. He never surrendered and said, I don't believe it's going to happen. No, he committed himself to what God had promised him, and he walked through this life. He, the Bible calls it sojourning. 
He sojourned through the land. That means he just stayed a little brief place here and a brief place there. How many has ever stayed in a house that have been in over 30 years? Any of you? It don't happen very often. My mother and father lived 55 years down in Northside. They, they was there when I was, I think I was the first kid there when I was born. And then after that, I was 55 when we finally got in the move. That was home to them. But can I tell you, a Christian does not live for this house. We live for that house. So anything you're going through today, whatever you are as a child of God, listen to me, the ideal is believe God and get home. Listen to this. It says, and he gave him none inheritance. This is the fifth ver verse of chapter eight, uh, 7 of Acts. It says, he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. That means when every time, even when Abraham walked through the land, it didn't belong to him yet. God had not delivered it into their hands yet. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You can go over there and say, I like that land over there. I think I'll claim that. And you can go over there and claim it until you buy it and get it in your name. It's not yours. God had not presented it to them. He had not brought them in there. He had not won the battle to get it yet. But God promised it. It says, Abraham did not receive the land of promise in his lifetime, yet he believed. And he gave him none inheritance. Then it says the next verse, or the next part of that says, he, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when he was yet uh, when he had no child. And God spake on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them in bondage, into bondage and entreat them for 400 years. And how many knows after that Israel went into bondage? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of Jacob's children went into bondage for 400 years. They stayed under Pharaoh's thumb. Then God delivered them out of that and brought them through the wilderness 40 years. And last week we talked about how he brought them into the land. It was their land. It was the land that he promised Abraham way back. But years have gone by, and they're finally getting to go to the land. But I don't want you to get on that. I want you to think about what Abraham's doing. In Hebrews, no, not yet. Yeah, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place where he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he went. When you get called, guess, listen to me. God ain't going to tell you everything you're going to do. He might take you through some valleys and over some mountains that you say, I never thought I'd do that. God, I thought this calling was like so-and-so. You know, some people like to get called to go to Hawaii. Uh, preachers like to get called to go to Hawaii or down on the beach or, or somewhere real nice. I don't know how you get that call. Unless you're just a beach guy that likes to go down and witness on the beach, maybe God will call you there. See, we sometimes like to tell God where we want to work. How many knows God's got the direction? He knows what he's trying to do. And it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a 
strange land, a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. Here it is, Connie. He looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You know, you know what that tells me? He was looking right past what Jerusalem had in it. He was looking for the city that God built. Let me tell you something. The call that was on Abraham was much bigger than what this world could give him. He lived his life sojourning. He lived his life wandering from place to place saying, God, I'm still on the journey. I'm still wandering from place to place. You ever hear the wanderer? He's the wanderer. He just sojourning from place to place. And he never got to go in it, but he never gave up believing where he was going. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Hold on to heaven. Hold on to the goal line. Hold on to where you're going. Because Jesus Christ paid for you there. But get a hold of the call and walk with God. Because God has great blessings and great things he wants to do in your life. And I'm not trying to lift you up, puff you up. I'm not trying to puff you up or do this pep rally. I'm trying to tell you, if you'll turn your life to God, all of a sudden you'll look back at your little children, those little babies, and you'll see them grow up, and all of a sudden you'll see them up here praising God. We got little kids that sing. We got little kids that praise God. We got little kids that do it. And why? Because somebody showed them who Jesus is. And when you see that, there ain't nothing thrills the heart more to a parent than to watch their children worshiping God, serving God. Shiloh, my granddaughter, sang that song, and I said, Oh, God, praise your holy name. Because you have done a work inside of her heart. It's not moms and dads that gets the credit. It's God. He's the one that saves Look down at verse 13 of Hebrews 11. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Christian, are you confessing that you're a stranger and pilgrim here or are you setting up home here? Because I'm going to tell you something. You can buy all the land. You can own every bit of it. But you're leaving here with nothing. So all the money in the world and all the land and all the everything else you can grab doesn't ever going to hold you. It's not what you're trying to hold on to. Hold on to him. I praise God for everything he gives me. I love him and I know just like the rest of you, I like easy chairs and nice comfortable beds and the refrigerator full. But can I tell you, I'm leaving it all behind. I just hope I just ate the last part of the ice cream when the rapture comes. Because <laughs> I like that stuff. But it says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have an opportunity to return. You know what that tells me? That tells me Abraham, if he would have started looking across at the world, he would have said, you know, I would have just gone back to where I was. I ain't got no place. I can't find that place that God's built for me. I just keep wandering from place to place. God keeps taking me from place to place. But the truth is, he wasn't mindful of where he left. He didn't want to go back there. See, you can't erase when God speaks to you. 
It stays with you all your life. When God speaks to your heart, all of a sudden Abraham had a one-track mind. He couldn't go back to where he was. There wasn't nothing back there. It wasn't in his mind to go back. He didn't wonder about what it would have been like if he had never heard from God. No, he knew everything he had was in him ahead. And everything that we have is in him ahead. He has our tomorrow. They had been given sight of the king and his kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what they got a sight of. And it says, the last verse of that, it says, But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now this song come to my heart, and I know some of you singers know it. And I'm not going to be able to sing it, because I'd need a whole lot of music to drown me out. But, but I loved it. And you know what come to my heart? And you know what who I was thinking of when I sang it? I was thinking of Abraham. I thought I never heard that song fit somebody that I didn't, that I thought fit perfectly, but Abraham. But it ought to fit every one of us. And now I know what the guy was writing about. And it's a song that I think the singing Americans did years ago and the Gaithers do it now. But it's a song that says this. Home is where the heart is. My heart's on home. Think about Abraham. Though I never really had one to call my own, I've been given a key by the carpenter of Galilee with interest paid and a title made to me. Home's where the heart is, or where home where there is no night, home where the sun is the light, the place I've been dreaming of so long. Think about it. Loved ones there to welcome me, but his sweet face will be the first I see. When my journey's over, I'm going home. I thought if that don't fit Abraham, Abraham was sojourning all through this land. But he was looking for home. And when this song came to my mind, I thought, praise God, that's what it's about. It's about quit looking at the world and look at him. And remember the promises he's made to the children of God. Because that's what we ought to be living on. I'm not trying to ruin your life. I'm not trying to steal your youth. I'm not trying to. I'm telling you that as a young person, God will protect you. He will keep you. He can keep you from drugs, from sex, from anything else that will draw you into it. What the world is doing, what the youth in the world is doing is not what God's call is. Hear what I'm telling you. Because God is trying to call you into the place where you become his child. And if you keep him first, he'll open every door. He already knows the desires of your heart. He knows if you can't make it on your own, he'll send you a husband or a wife or a partner. Somebody, he's going to give you friends and people that will help lift you up and carry you through. Praise God. We belong to the family of God. We're special. Not because of us. It's because of him. Exodus 3. Here's another call. I just want to mention this one just briefly. It says Moses. It says come now therefore. God called Moses. Listen to what God said to Moses. 
Now I want you to hear this, because this is coming right out of God. It come at the burning bush. How many's heard of the burning bush? Moses saw a bush burning up on the mountain, but it didn't burn the bush up. So he said, I'm going to go and see what this is about. When he got up there, the Lord said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. And God began to speak to Moses. What did he say? Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Next chapter, verse 1 of the fourth chapter. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared to me. How many hears that? You know what we do when God tells us something? We start making excuses. Because, see, we know we ain't able to do that. But if God tells you he's going to call you to do that, then start working on it. See, I remember my father just worked at Asbury for years under Brother Von Mel. You know what? He worked for God trying to raise his family in the house. He got saved at Asbury. Uh, most of us kids got saved at Asbury. Most of us followed her great-grandpa. And you know what? He was our pastor. He, he mar married a lot of us. But can I tell you something? I watched my father live faithful. And then one day God said, I want you to go and take a little church out in Blue Hands. Never had taken a church. In his 50s, he never took it to church. And God called him to do that. Can I tell you? It wasn't to glorify him. It wasn't to make him somebody. Don't you understand? We're not trying to be special in this world. We're trying to only be special to him. Because we are special to him. And we can trust him. But through that, God did a work in my father. I can remember, Sue, after thinking about you uh, last night, I remember when Duran looked at you and said, I think I'm called the same. And Sue said, I think you better think again. <laughs> or whatever it was. I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain it. You would have to explain it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but you know what? You hear him now, and he's a great singer. Why? Because he heard from something inside of him. You hear me? It doesn't make Duran one bit better than the rest of us. But can I tell you something? He heard something and he stayed with it. He followed through. Praise God for what God does in people. We're just plain old people. There ain't no, there are no special God. My dad used to say there's no big eyes in God's kingdom. There's only him. Moses started giving him all these excuses down in verse 10 about the Lord, I'm not elegant, and, uh, and neither henceforth nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, but I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said, Who hath made your mouth? Who makes the dumb, the deaf, and the seeing, and the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Here is lonely old Moses. Kim, he wasn't alone. But he was standing in front of, up on this mountain by himself with God. And he said, you ain't alone. I'm going with you. I'm not alone. I'll put the words in your mouth to speak. If I send you, I will open your mouth and put the words there to speak. Praise God. See, I know that's the call Brother Vaughn got years ago. He got the same call. Go and preach my word. And when God called him to go, 
He was sitting on the curb, I think, when he got saved. Wasn't in good shape sitting on the curb. But God saved him, brought him out, and built a church there. And people got saved all around. That's only what God can do, Bobby. That ain't us. We have heritage there. But see, they've gone on to home. They're home. We're trying to get there. Now, we've been hearing a lot about mandates. How many likes a mandate? No? Well, let me tell you something. God gives you a mandate. Whether you like it or not, I don't like the mandates that they're given. Why? Because I don't believe in the people that's given. One. I can trust sometimes a doctor telling me, this is your problem. Iva, I can trust them. But the truth is, when, when I see what I see, I don't trust these people. I don't, I don't believe in them. That there's just too much fake stuff coming through it. I can't, I can't accept, can't get my head around it. But I want you to hear something. I'm not trying to get in political stuff. I want you to understand something. God has given his people the call and the mandate to do something. More or less it comes, a mandate is something that is an official order, command, or commission. How many knows we've been given mandates? What is this mandate? I know the gospel, you know, he's, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to the whole world. Praise God. I know that's a mandate. But can I tell you, listen to Isaiah 117, just one verse. Isaiah says, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, and plead for the widow. And I read that, and something about it made me say, i got to repeat that. And when I began to repeat it, it's telling you, learn to do what's right. You know what, Christian? Start walking where you're supposed to walk. Quit walking around with the world baggage upon you and trying to live for God because then it's not going to work. But learn to do well. Change, there ought to be a change inside of you. Connie, you said it this morning. There was a change came in her. Well, there's a change that will come in you. When God has mandated you to do something, he's telling you change your ways. And he says seek judgment. That means seek just. Don't look for it. If it gets me something, I'll take it. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. No, you got to look for justice. you got to look and seek for the just thing and the right thing to do. And then it says, relieve the oppressed. And then it says, judge the fatherless. That's orphans and stuff like that. You know people, are, kids are born sometimes without families. Kids are born and nobody loved them. And you know what? We don't need to be the people that condemns them. Sometimes we need to say the right thing and do the things that are correct. See, that's being a fair and just person. You're helping a person when you tell them they're doing something wrong. But when, you're, uh, when it's time to do it, when it's time to look at their life, you need to say the positive things and you need to say the negative thing. Because that's what you do to your children. He's telling you, judge the fatherless. Plead for the widows. That's just one verse. I want to go to the 58th chapter of Isaiah, and I'm going to stop here in a minute. But it says, Isaiah 58, it says in the sixth verse, and this is, it says, talking about fasting, but I want you to look deeper than the fasting part. I want you to look at what he's saying. He says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? This is God's telling Isaiah. 
I've chosen a fast for you, but listen, it's to loose the bands of wickedness and to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and thou shalt bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and, when, and that thou hidest not thyself from thine own flesh? What's he talking about? He's trying to tell you, get some compassion in your heart. Quit living for yourself. Christian, we ought to be a changed person. There ought to be something inside. If my mother would get calls of somebody saying, send me $10 and I'll go get Obama thrown out of his office. We're going to have a, and I, I, I have to tell my mom, they're not going to throw Obama out for $10 that you're sending. But my mother said, well, he's a good person. I, I voted for him and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him $10. And I'm thinking, Mama, I'm telling you, you're wasting your money. But can I tell you, her heart was right. In her heart, she wanted to do what was right. She wanted to do her little, if it's a penny, I'm going to give my pennies worth. How I many here's what I'm saying? I love it. That's the best thing about America is we got people who want to do good things. We still got people that loves people. We still got people that cares about people that ain't out to rip you off all the time. See, I think there's a special judgment place ripping off elders. Look out. Because I'm going to tell you, you don't treat your elders with respect. You'll pay the price one day. Be careful what you're doing. Micah 6, 8 says, He that... He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? How many knows? God's given us a mandate. It's through Micah's word there. You're, you're supposed to, according to the way I see it, the Lord requires this of you to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. God's given us mandates to do. Now, I'm not trying to get you to just go along because, see, we just talked about this Thursday night on our Bible study in the 13th chapter of Romans. Maria brought out, it's hard to do what they're mandating us to do and try to be obedient to our government. Isn't it? But let me tell you something. God's already proved himself to you. You can trust what he mandates you to do. And if you'll put your heart into doing what God mandates you to do, you'll find out God will use you. God will raise you up, and all of a sudden they'll say, I don't know what that guy's got inside him. I don't know what that lady's got inside him, but there's something real going on there, something alive going on. God's in them. God's doing a great work in them. It says, Paul said it this way. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Get along with them. But you've got to endeavor. You've got to work at it. Don't look at nobody. <laughs> it says, there's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, Father of all, that's who is above all and through all and in all, in you all. Praise God. 
See, we are called in one body, one spirit, one hope of completing our calling and finishing our race and making it home. Praise God. See, I look back at uh, so many giant Christians in my life. They didn't win nobody's award in this life. But to me, they're giants. To me, they led walking a level above this earth. They walked with God. And God kept them shining. He was faithful. They were faithful to him, and he was faithful to call them his people. I mean, here's what I'm saying. You need to be those people. We're God's children. He's counting on you to follow through with what he's mandated you to do. Paul said to the Philippians, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That means high calling. What is the high calling in God? You know what it is? To be like Jesus. If you be like Jesus, you're going to reach your high calling. See, it don't matter what you do on the outside. You can say, I'm a preacher. Can I tell you what I am? I'm a Christian. That's what I am. I'm a child of God. Don't put me no higher than that because I'm nobody. Put me where I belong. If I can't make it on being a Christian, that's who Jesus paid for. He paid for my life. I can make it as being a child of God. I can't confess. I confess to you I can't do one thing up here that makes God say, i got to open the door for that guy. No. I don't impress God. I only impress God when I hear his voice and answer and obey it. And that's what he did when he called you. Okay, Becky, come back. Second Timothy 1, 8, 9 says, Be not thou, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Hebrew 3.1. I like this. There's only one verse, but I want you to hear it. It's the only time in the Bible Jesus is called the apostle. He's called an apostle in this scripture. It's Hebrew 3.1. It says simply, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Consider him. You know why? Because you're to walk like him. You're to follow him. He is the... You know what the apostle is for a Christian? That's kind of the, how do you say it, the highest human job there is was one, be one of God's, one of Christ's apostles. That, if you start looking at the list of callings of ministry, guess what? Apostle starts out the top. Why? It was those that followed Christ, and they become his apostles. They delivered the gospel as he told them to go. You know what the high priest represents? That's the head of the Jewish people. That was the head highest job of the priest of the ones that stood in the gap between God were the high priests. That was the Jewish people. 
Jesus fulfilled that. He fulfilled them both. I'm going to skip down here. First Peter, second chapter, verse 9. But you are, you've heard this all your life. Listen to this. You are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness. Listen. Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Listen to me. You're called. I can't help what you're doing. I'm still telling you, God's trying to call you. But he will not open your door. He will not force the door open. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to learn of him. He wants you to get hungry. Now, let me, let me say it this way. When you looked for your wife or your husband, and you finally saw somebody you was interested in, how many broke their neck to look good? My wife, I don't know if her mother was cooking the cookies or what. She was making me cookies when we was going together back as kids. And I don't know, after we got married, I'd think, man, you, you're going to have to take a lesson from my mother on cooking. But she got to cooking everything in the world, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing that for? She wanted to win me through my belly, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I want to win him. Don't you want to win him? Lord, I ain't worthy to be a Christian. But you called my name. You love me, God. You let me know it. You love me when I knew I was unlovable, when I was lost and undone and couldn't get no help for myself. You reached out and called my name, and you called me to yourself. You forgave me, and you made me a child of God. Praise God. Now win him. Hear me. Win him to you. Show him you will do like Abraham. I turn my face from whatever this world tells me to do and I turn to him and I say, Lord, show me where to put my foot down next. Show me how to love you. Show me how to reach out and convince somebody of Jesus because that's all that matters. The only thing I'm taking with me is other souls. I got nothing to carry with me. But if I can help someone... If I could do one thing to cause them to turn their face to Jesus, that's all I care about. Otherwise, I'll live, a, live my life, try to do my best at what I'm doing, and I'll come short of it so many times. But truth is, I want you to know Jesus. It doesn't matter about me. It's not my heritage. It's him. He's the heritage. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will. It's a different message, but I want you to get your mind on home. I want you to get your mind on the call that God is calling us to make a difference in this life. Don't turn away from Him. Don't walk out without Him. This is the day the Lord has made. He brought you here for the purpose of bringing your heart to Him. I know sometimes come to meet our family 
Sometimes we go eat together. Sometimes we have great fellowship. Sometimes we just laugh and talk and sing and do all kinds of stuff. But can I tell you something? You need Jesus. Without him, you're failing to find what this gospel is about. It's about finding him. If you want to convince those in your home, begin to walk this call. Walk out what God has done inside of you. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm going out. You know, I, I used to, you know, I remember a lot of times people would say, I'm ashamed to read my Bible or to pray in front of my kids. I've heard my dad say before when he was young. He said he needed to pray, but he was embarrassed. He would get down in the basement and pray, and he'd hear mom coming in with a couple of the kids. And he'd jump up real quick. He said, I was ashamed. He said, I didn't know how to pray, but I was trying. Listen to me. God knows everything about you. He loves you. He won't tell you. He wouldn't have told Abraham to do something. He wasn't going to do it through him. He wouldn't have told Moses that. You think you're any less than Moses or Abraham? You're not. God sent his only begotten son to die for you. So if you don't know him, you come today. We're not going to pour oil all over you and drown you unless you want me to. But the truth is, all you do is ask Jesus to forgive you. Bring your life to him. While they sing. Now my soul does rejoice since I've made him my from the tempest to him I now stopped in his tracks 
he got struck down blind. And a voice came to him and he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus whom you kick against. Let me tell you something, that was the grace of God. There ain't nothing you've ever done. Listen to me. If God's got you here, he's trying to bring you to him. There's been a lot of prison people, prison ministries. A lot of people got saved. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. You've got to understand the God that you serve. It said, don't go out of this life not knowing him. The Savior, the only way of salvation. We'll live eternally. We'll sing around the throne of God. We'll enjoy each other and never be parted anymore. Isn't that beautiful? I got a father and mother that I want to see again. Tom, Mark's up there waiting on us. Mark Keyes is waiting there. I believe that, see, because I know the grace of the God that I serve. He's a mighty God. He loves you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. But you have to make up your mind. I choose. God gave us all choice. I choose to serve him. That's going to be the choice. You make it now or you fight it all your life and pray that God gives you another opportunity. But God is gracious today because you can feel his presence here. And he loves you. Nobody's passing judgment. Nobody's looking on you. We all know we had to come to him. I thank you. I'm not going to hold you here. But these altars are always open. If you change your mind and you want to come up here, we'll pray with you. But that's up to you.